bowels of One Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Real Country Radio. Congratulations, Detroit. You can be thoroughly ashamed of yourself. The homicide tool has reached a nice even 750. Details on the latest leveling from Police Sergeant... Coming up now, we're going to start off the set with... ...in the morning. The hitless tigers could use this guy's talents. Mount Clemens police have a 36-year-old man in custody. Seems he got home about 5 o'clock this morning from an all-night spree. That ticked off the little lady who unleashed a verbal barrage at the man. That apparently the last straw for him. He picked up his genuine Willie Mays power eyes lightning strike Louisville slugger baseball bat. Proceeded to hit a thousand on the woman's head. Pull you up a chair and listen to this. Off the side of the road 
Yeah! We're back for episode 93 of Sidetracked. No, it's not beer. Don't drink anymore. That's a story for another day, though. We're not the oldest. We're not the most consistent. We're not even the best podcast, but here we are, and we're two weeks in a row, and uh, hopefully the beginning of some sort of a trend, just maybe. Virus keeps taking away events. This week, the one that I heard about, actually heard about it today, it was announced yesterday. It's not actually taking an event away. That's a good thing. It's a rescheduling to a time when I can do it still. The Great Lakes Big Rig, or excuse me, the Motor City Big Rig Challenge. Great Lakes Big Rig Challenge already moved. That event should have happened already up at Onaway Speedway in northern Michigan. It already moved to the weekend of uh, July 10th, 11th, 12th, somewhere in that uh, time frame up north. Um, takes it off my calendar because that's also Ultimate Call Challenge weekend in Indiana. And uh, UCC is probably the one event on my annual calendar that I cannot miss pretty much, period. Um, so I'll miss, um, I will miss the Great Lakes Big Rig Challenge this year. I, I don't like that. It's one of my, it's a favorite event. It's something different. It's nice to see something, something different. But a new event uh, that the Diesel Porn Apparel guys put together at Milan Dragway in southeastern Michigan, the Motor City Big Rig Challenge, was supposed to be the last weekend in June. It has now moved and is going to be uh, the last weekend in July, and it will not be a three-dayer now. It's going to be only two. The Sunday portion, the sled pulling portion is going to be dropped. Sponsorship dollars are just not forthcoming enough to do that this year, so let's let's have it a good event, uh, make it something, and then uh, we can have the sled pulling in hopefully in 2021. But um, I'll get to be there for for that with those guys because uh, events that I was supposed to be doing in late July fell off. And open that weekend up for me to to move with those guys, so that's uh, that's a positive. And it sounds like something may open up for me in late June. So what do you do? You know, you just you keep rolling with it. Um, I did notice in the course of that, Milan Dragway themselves here locally, they this weekend uh, the track will be open for a test and tune on Saturday, and they are going to do bracket racing on Sunday, but no crowd allowed. Uh, not terribly surprised to hear that it's going to be a no-crowd situation. I may try to weasel a press pass on Sunday and go photograph it if I can. Um, <clears throat> see how that fits in with other things that are going on. But, uh, yeah, good weekend. Uh, opportunity to get out to the track. So we'll get to that here momentarily. In the meantime, the web store is open at sidetrackproductionsinc.com. Uh, links on our homepage to our our partners, Dirty Hooker Diesel, of course, uh, Tony Burkhart and the gang in Harbor Beach always have been a huge supporter of Sidetracked, and even now, that's my day job. I, I work there, too. If you're in the market for anything for Duramax, Dirty Hooker Diesel is your final authority on all things Duramax. Shop online, www.dirtyhookerdiesel.com. Or call the shop, 989-479-0444, and there's a good chance if you call between the hours of 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern that I will answer the phone. 
And you can give me hell for what a horrible job I've done with Sidetrack. That's fine. As long as you buy parts. I don't care. Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. But uh, the SidetrackProductionsInc.com web store is open. Stickers are available. $4 each. Free shipping. They're bigger than what we did before. T-shirts are ordered and paid for. I followed up on that today. They probably about a week out. And the, the coronavirus slowing down shipping of raw materials for that for the for the remainder of my order to get order to get manufactured so that they can get here for you. Hats have been ordered. Um, those are probably a week or two out. Uh, so that'll all get added onto the web store and please buy this stuff so that I don't have to <laughs> maintain warehouses full. And if you like it, I got more designs that could be forthcoming in the future. Uh, well, we'll see how that goes, but, uh, hopefully it, it takes off. That'd be, that'd be cool. Uh, next thing, uh, that came across my radar this afternoon in keeping with the drag racing theme and a little bit of what we're going to talk about. Uh, Dunright Diesel in Osgood, Indiana, Ben Shaddy and the crew, they had sold their uh, Pro Mod, the truck they won the ODSS Pro Mod title with in 2019. It's a white, short bed, fourth gen, third gen Cummins truck. Still a full, you know, OEM chassis truck and a full steel body, but ran in Pro Mod. That truck got sold, and the truck, or something was supposed to be where I was on Saturday for them. They were registered and they revealed their new pro mod today. And it's a beautiful white 63 Corvette split window stingray, uh, hammer tech race cars, chassis with the Cummins, of course, powering it. And I got to say pro mod diesel drag racing, I think is at a real tipping point of some serious speed and potentially some some threat to certain spark ignition groups. Um, once the, the brain trust gets there and, and gets behind figuring out how to make these things quick, you look at Dunright's new 63 VET, um, Corey Willis's C7 VET, uh, the new Build by Committee Outcast 2 that Tony Rizzi's putting together, um, what the firepunk team and the millers are doing with that s10 and you're seeing some legit full tube big tire pro mod cars coming in diesel drag racing and i think it'll be a positive uh for that niche of the sport to see some really really quick cars coming out so what did uh what did we get to do this past saturday well with the cancellations i got freed up and had the opportunity to go down to waggler motorsports park in lyons indiana for what was billed as a test session presented by Diesel World Magazine and it was sponsored by Nitto Tire. Following ODSS class rules and format and, and mainly ODSS competitors were on hand. Initially, the intent was to have 50 vehicles arrive. I think in total we wound up with somewhere around 23 that actually showed up and, and ran. I, uh, I got to thank... Uh, Fabian Ortiz, who I have known for a few years now through UCC, we we met down there and, and run into each other um, at that event. When this was starting to come together, uh, he reached out and to see if I was interested in participating in it and being part of the being the announcer, I guess, for the live stream. 
said yes of course i was uh he passed my name to adam blattenberg at diesel world and and my thanks to adam for taking a chance on me to come out and do it and uh, when i get there i have another familiar face to me running the live stream amy gilbert was helming that so i, I know amy well and that was that was cool to have her kind of in my corner and i could look up and, and see a familiar face while, while i was doing this uh in addition to fabian so that was good um, I know I screwed up some of the names and some of the, some of the class guys. I, I think by the time we got to eliminations in the afternoon, I got everybody straightened out and got it right. I am sorry. I did my best to try and be prepared. Um, yeah, it's, it's on me. There was some there, especially, I think there were about five crew cab white Cummins trucks running in the, in, in the in classes in the index and ET. And there was very subtle differences in be between you guys. And I had to do some between rounds Facebook stalking and make even better notes than what I had showed up with to try and uh, pin down who was who. I'm sorry. I know I screwed some of you up. My bad. Should an opportunity arise to do something like this again? I'd love to. Uh, I'm, I love the drag racing side of things. I know I'm, my, I've built my reputation around the pulling side of things, but drag racing, it's fun. It's cool. And I'd like to do more, uh, diversify a little bit too. What was unique about this particular event, though, in addition to the fact that there was no crowd and it was very weird to announce a show with no crowd, not even the PAs turned on. I was literally everything that I set out on my microphone went into the feed stream and I couldn't even hear myself uh, a lot of it because I was standing trackside for it. For me, very outside my element and out of my comfort zone, which isn't a bad thing. Um, helps you grow. In talking with Adam over the course of the, the day and how it all came together, there's been quite a bit of discussion, not just in pulling, but in all forms of motorsports about what is going on. How is this all going to work? How is there even going to possibly be a season? And what sort of challenges that these promoters are up against in trying to trying to do it. And his, his firsthand experience just doing this is that it's a full-time job for more than one person to even pull something like this off because no matter who you talk to, if you call if you call a, a municipality, if you call a county, a township, and then get referred to the state and whatever hierarchy there is in place, the frustrating thing is that you never really get to where the buck stops. There is no answer out there. It's frustrating in some sense. And he did tell me that throughout the course of it, initially the plan was to go ahead and call this a race. And then it had to be changed to a test session because the state wasn't going to allow it to be a race. On the plane, while he was flying out here from Idaho, it got reversed for the last time that, yes, we could actually race. And in the afternoon we did. We did, we did have, we ran three rounds of qualifying, set our ladders, and we did race. And there was some some cash for the winner, um, but he did tell me all the, over the course of the last three weeks, on average, twice a day the whole thing was off, and then it was back on again, because you just don't ever. The situation is so fluid, and you never get to where the the ultimate authority is. Now this deal was unique in the sense that there was. 
a commitment. It was it was laid out from the beginning as a as a no crowd deal. This was going to be live streamed, and there was corporate participation from industry manufacturers to to make this happen and make make the the money part of it right. And you also had a facility owner passionate about the product he puts out and is a player in the industry itself in the form of Jeremy Wagler. And he was going to do whatever was necessary to, to make this happen too, because he just wanted to see it happen. He wanted to see some cool stuff go down his race, his, his racetrack more than a few of them with his parts on them. So they were able to put this thing together and make it happen. That is perhaps a bit of a unique contrast or unique scenario that they were able to do that versus your average promoter especially on the pulling side where we're so frequently tied to some sort of civic event whether it be a, a, a county fair a municipal festival a fundraiser for or fire department or a rotary or alliance club or what have you where there's a lot more moving pieces generally there's perhaps some form of a carnival involved or there's and here's where it gets even more complicated because of this. Food vendors, right? So when we were there Saturday, no food vendors, there's no facilities. Well, there there is. Okay, the, the racetrack has them, but none of that, you know, the bathrooms were open. You could go to the bathroom, but there was no food vendor open. If you wanted something to eat, you had better have brought it in the gate with you. Um, there was no place to wheel up and get a funnel cake or an elephant ear or cheeseburger or a walking taco or whatever. You couldn't do it. So these, these events are faced with this challenge of meeting whatever sort of standard and, and they're always floating and always changing and, and frankly undefined. It seems to be reactionary based on which whatever opinion piece has been written in a newspaper lately about you or your office, where you're going to set policy at. And uh, these civic groups, these fair boards, these charity charity group boards, the, the Lions Clubs, what have you, they've got a decision to make that, hey, just how, and a lot of these are volunteers, they're not paid people, whereas this deal you had, you had somebody from a magazine who was going to put this on and took it upon himself as, a part of his full-time job to promote this deal and make it happen. These local groups, they don't have that. It's a volunteer and they don't have all day long to sort it out and figure it out. And you throw on top of it food vendors and things of that nature where a lot of times some of the revenue is even driven from those food vendors. They're the, the organization putting it on is getting a cut of that. And now we've got social distancing and extra layer of who knows what all as a food preparation industry and restrictions on your food license and just myriad challenges and problems to address. It's no wonder that some of these promoters just throw up their hands and go, dude, we can't do this. It just isn't going to happen because we don't have the time to chase every little last detail, especially when the details change every six hours. Just, it's impossible. They're making a call they know is unpopular and one that they don't want to make. And making a commitment to push forward and do it anyway is inviting a massive workload. Um, over the weekend, 
here in Michigan, uh, central, southern part of the state, in fact, actually just between uh, Detroit, halfway between Detroit and the major urban population center for the state and the state capital, Lansing, lies the town of Fowlerville. And the Fowlerville Fair came out and said, yep, we're going full speed ahead. End of July, I believe, is the fair. We're going to do it. We're going to find a way and we're going to do it. And the newspaper story that ran actually featured uh, a drone shot of the fairgrounds on pulling night, TTPA, in action in in the news story. I don't, I, I, I do have a backdoor connection actually to someone affiliated with uh, the fair over there. And I probably should reach out and just say, hey, w- what? Okay, why why did you decide it? Not an accusatory way. I just wanted to understand what's the thought process. Why did you decide to do it when so many are saying no? What sort of challenges are you up against, and how are you solving them? I think it's in fact that's that's going to be next week's show. I'm gonna I will I'm gonna do that and find out what what they're gonna do to make this work. I think it's worth sharing with other promoters, and um, it's gonna be interesting. Um, if you are interested in seeing an event like this go on and, and you have the ability and the time to devote to helping solve some of these problems, maybe this is a perfect opportunity for you to step forward and volunteer with your local fair board, your local Lions Club, your fire department, what it, whatever it is that's behind that event, and see what you can do to try to make that event go, make it happen. Because there is going to be challenges that have to be met, even if it means you're walking around with a uh, a cordless and screwing up pieces of plexiglass on ticket windows, or I, I don't know. It's just, it boggles the mind what might have to happen to make an event go, but it's going to take somebody stepping up and saying, I'm in, I want to do this, and try to make it happen for for your local group. I'm... I remain hopeful. I remain optimistic. Yes, there is some self-interest on my part for these events going off. Of course, I get I get paid to come announce them. Yes, I want to do that. In addition to the vast amount of self-satisfaction and fun I get of coming out and, and doing that and sharing my passion for the sport with whoever might be there to suffer the consequences of listening to me be their <laughs> announcer for that particular night. And also go out and represent some good companies like Lock Performance and Prime Diesel and Auto and the Hook Magazine and PMS Marketing Service and ENS Motorsports and Pico Oil and Diesel Freak and these companies that believe in what I'm doing and want to see us out there out there doing it in addition to their own their own toys that they want to get out and play with. So uh, that's just kind of a little bit of a, a look in at. What went on, what I went through this weekend. Um, one th- other thing I did want to touch on, and it, it, I alluded to it last week, uh, the sled design discussion that was in process on pulloff.com. Now, the thread kind of kind of died out because uh, Logan Thomas dropped some truth bombs that kind of put an end to it. There's a, there's a feeling out there that sleds are incapable of stopping Unlimiteds and semis and the big classes. And the simple truth of the matter is, is that I don't know how 
really difficult. It truly is. It may be a gear ratio issue. They don't have a, an intermediate gear, but I think that is a solvable thing. They've got that 220-foot indoor gear. Or they've got the 290 outdoor gear, and there's no middle ground. Maybe that's something that could be addressed. But th this idea that they can't get them stopped, and it doesn't really necessarily seem to be true. There, There's the argument about more weight, more weight, but you can't take it down the road because of plate limits and axle limits, and depending on what state you're in, what you can do with, with getting it down the road. But a lot of the big shows, a lot of the top events where you're going to have an unlimited class be there, there's two sleds booked in anyway. One is a backup, so you can split your loads and have the weights from the backup sled get added to the primary and have the weight needed to stop things effectively. The, the pullers themselves have gotten used to the speed, and, and the crowd likes the speed. I will argue that maybe that isn't in the truest essence of the sport. I'm maybe a little bit stuck in the old with a 300-foot thing and wanting to see old-school pulling. We've, When Drew was alive, we talked about it. I still talk about it at, at National Farm Machinery Show. I guess it would be three years ago now when Vaughn put the hammer on the modified class and was just making those guys grunt and fight for every inch of it. And we were, we were down there in the media section and everybody, oh, this bullshit is stupid. And Drew and I are just hooting and hollering and loving every second of it, watching these 10,000 horsepower machines twist up and torque up and fight and dig and, and pull, frankly. It was exhilarating. For me, it was a spectacle. I, I dug it. Um, but it lacked the speed that people want. I realize that what I get excited about at an event maybe isn't going to translate for everyone else, and, and they go in with a preconceived notion. Maybe that's on me then if it happens at an event that I'm announcing for me to explain why I like what is going on and introduce it to. It doesn't mean you have to agree with me, and you may not. There's, there's, a, there's a line there I have to walk. When, when you're announcing a show, you are, in essence, uh, owned by the... The promoter, the crowd, the associate, the sanctioning body to meet a certain expectation. And I understand that. Here on this podcast, I don't have that restriction because thankfully my sponsors let me speak my mind. And um, at the end of the day, I own it so I can do what I want. Um, I'm rambling. Anyhow, I, I don't think there is this great emergency with sled design. Currently, uh, there's no no need to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, and introduce a drastic change to how they operate. Um, especially given that a, a pulling vehicle needs to be right somewhere between 12 and 30 times a year. That sled's got to be right 5,000 times a year without a breakage or a failure. And most of them are. And I don't want to go down a road where we're introducing some radical new idea that with the intention of enhancing a show and we ultimately detract from it because of a reliability problem. Keep it simple. Um, 
if the need ever arises where we can't travel with extra weight, enough extra weight across two sleds or a promoter's option to have some available to a sled operator at their venue, what have you, then we can look at alternatives, such as the very simple idea of raising the chain on the sled or make it longer. Either one will affect the angle at which it intersects with the drawbar and make the sled behind it a little tougher to pull. I don't think the days of heavy heavy sleds, tough-to-start sleds, old-school pulling-style sleds, that's, it's never coming back, and that's, that's okay. It's okay. But I don't think um, a lot of the radical ideas that are out there necessarily need to come to fruition to, to make it go. I think it's a non-starter, and maybe it's just message board fodder, and most people don't actually feel that way. I, I don't know. But um, did want to explore that a little bit and touch on it briefly this week. So next week, I do want to continue with the promoter theme, plus whatever else is going to come up. I mean, it just passed a half hour here on my counter. Wasn't really going to be a super long show, but here it is, episode 93 of Sidetracked. And as I said, please visit the website, the photo gallery from Wagler Motorsports Park. The, the few images I did take are already uploaded. It's already there. Merchant store, the uh, swag, swag shop is open for business. Check it out, please. And also, if you notice anything wrong um, on the website, any broken links, we've done a lot of updates, a lot of maintenance to it. If you notice something out of place or amiss, let me know. I can fix that, and we can go from there. So that's it for this week of Sidetracked. Thank you for downloading and spending a little bit of your time with us, and we'll see you somewhere around the Midwest soon. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo.